1: Happy Halloween! Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. I'm your host, Kat Ward. You can find new episodes on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean, YouTube, Fringeradionetwork.com, and any place you find fine podcasts. If you've had paranormal encounters you'd like to share, you can either be a guest on the show, or you can submit them in writing, and I'll be happy to narrate your story. And if you'd like to have your very own free Paranormal Heart podcast sticker, just drop me an email at paranormalheart 13 at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to mail you one wherever you are on this beautiful globe of ours. This episode's shout out goes to you amazing listeners in Hungary. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. Much love to you all. What would Halloween be without the Raven? I just had to add this wonderful poem. So before we get to my special guest, sit back, relax, and enjoy Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, narrated by Mr. Brian Anderson.
0: The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping as if someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly had I sought to borrow, from my book Sucris of Sorrow, Sorrow for the Lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain, thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating to some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This is it and nothing more. Presently, my soul grew stronger Doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dreamed to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore, merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping, Somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped the stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he. Not a minute stopped or stayed he, but, with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven. Ghastly, grim, and ancient raven wandering the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear her discourse so plainly, though it answered little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door. Was such a name as, Nevermore? But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only. That one word, as if his soul, in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered. Other friends have followed before. On the morrow he will leave me as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness, broken by reply so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters is only stock in store, Caught from some unhappy master who unmercifully disaster, Followed fast and followed faster, Till his songs one burden bore, Till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore, Of, never, nevermore. But the raven still beguiling all my fancy into smiling. Straight I wheeled and cushioned seat in front of bird and bust in door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore, meant in croaking, nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing but no syllable expressing, to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated over, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating over? She shall press, ah, never more. Then methought the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor wretch i cried thy god hath lent thee by these angels he hath sent thee respite respite in nepenthe for thy memories of lenore quaff oh quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost lenore quoth the raven nevermore prophet said i think of evil Prophet still if bird or devil By the heaven that bends above us, by the God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden if, within the distant Aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word or sign imparting, bird or fiend, I shrieked, upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's Plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. I'm broken, quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out of my heart, and take thy form from off my door. Quote the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting. On the pallid bust a palace just above my chamber door, And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, And the lamplight over him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, And my soul from out the shadow that lies floating on the floor Shall be lifted nevermore. From the Richmond Semi-Weekly Examiner, September 25th, 1849 Narrated by Brian Anderson.
1: Thank you so much, Brian. In episode 68, my special guest is paranormal investigator and TV personality Linda Quirino. Linda's been in the paranormal field for over 40 years and has experienced unexplained phenomena all of her life. At 18 years of age, she began to investigate the paranormal while in college in her hometown of Montreal and continued to research and investigate on her own until relocating to the Toronto area in 1986. In 1997, she became the assistant director of the Toronto Ghosts and Hauntings Research Society until 2003. Once again, working freelance until she founded the Georgina Paranormal Society in 2012 in the town of Georgina, where she now resides. Linda appears on the TV show Paranormal Survivor as one of its paranormal experts. She's also appeared on many paranormal podcasts radio local tv shows and gives presentations for various organizations throughout canada i give you linda querino hello linda happy halloween and welcome to paranormal heart
2: i am so excited to be here happy halloween to you too thank you
1: i'm so excited you're here too my favorite time of the year and i'm sure it's your favorite time as well
2: 100 <laughs>
1: percent it's just you know when I was younger before I got into the paranormal I always liked Halloween for whatever reason I just it I was drawn to it
2: Yep, I know the feeling me too and it wasn't specifically about the fact that I got to wear a costume I just really liked the whole atmosphere you know the whole ambience that whole thing about how the ghosts and spirits are kinda of more active around this time mm-hmm. of the year
1: yes I remember um, I don't know if you know what amateur radio is ham radio amateur ring yeah. yes, yes yes yeah well my, my dad is an amateur radio operator and i remember growing up on halloween night he would go on what was called witch hunts and i thought my father was actually hunting witches and i wanted to go and i wanted to see what they look like because i figured they're not at all uh, how everybody portrays them and i want to know the real what 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 are the real witches like and my dad said no it's too dangerous i'm like why is it too dangerous making me more fascinated and I want to go even more. Come to find out, no, they're not hunting real witches. Um, They would just patrol the neighborhood because after trick-or-treating, there would always be troublesome teens uh, teens who would light fires to bridges, um, you know, just wreak havoc. So what the amateur radio community would do is they would drive around and if they saw anything suspicious, they'd get on their radios that they had in the cars and they'd call it into the uh, police station because they worked with the police as well. So I was like, when I was older and found out that, no, they're not really hunting witches. (laughs) I was kind of disappointed in a way.
2: That's interesting. Well, it's funny that, you're talking about all of that because all these memories come up around this time of the year mm-hmm. and having grown up in montreal we ah. always had what was called mat night and that night was the night before halloween and that's when kids around the neighborhood would go around and egg your windows if you had no. a jack-o'-lantern yeah. in the window the night before halloween or steal your
1: mat oh i've never heard of that yeah, I don't know, maybe it
2: was a Montreal thing, maybe it was a Quebec thing, but my parents always would bring in the outdoor mat and we were <laughs> not allowed to have a jack-o'-lantern in the window or anything like that because people would get egged and all this stuff would happen the night before Halloween.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I. Um, if anyone, anybody has ever heard of this, please let us know. Um, Matt and I, yeah, I love that. If, if that was a tradition in your area, in Canada, the States, or anywheres in the world, let us know. I'm interested to find out if anybody else had that tradition, too. Sorry, I just banged my table here.
2: That's okay. No worries. You know what? I'm sitting here on a very squeaky bed, so if you hear a little <laughs> weird sound, you know what it is.
1: <laughs> I have my usual co-host, Daisy, my little cat here, and she purrs, and I can usually hear it on the recording later on, so uh, yeah, you might hear a little bit of purring. Purs and squeaks.
2: My my cat Ophelia is here, and she's a purr, too. So if you
1: hear purring,
2: maybe it's in competition. We'll see who purrs (laughs) aloud.
1: That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, I I grew up in New Brunswick, and, um, yeah, I haven't heard of that. Uh, That's pretty cool. I've heard of, uh, in my neighborhood, we would have uh, pumpkin smashing um, that people, but I can't remember if that was done Halloween night or if that was done before or after, but... Um, yeah, if you had pumpkins outside they would get smashed. They still happen now.
2: I tell you, you know, cat, we gotta just reel in the hooligans. <laughs> right? This time of the year is a great time of the year and I love decorating and I love it when people make their yards and their, their porches yes. all spooky and if people can't do that anymore, that'd be really sad.
1: Yes, when um, we moved out west for a couple of years, um, well, here in Ontario, when my daughter, she, she was always taller than, than everybody else in her class. She would just tower over them, so she would look older. And it got to the point after a while. For Halloween, they wouldn't give her much candy because she thought that everyone thought she was a lot older. And I thought it doesn't matter. It's Halloween. Um, and then we moved to Alberta, and people are like, "No, I don't care if you're an adult trick or treating. Here's some, you know." Uh, it just it's so strange how people across the country look at Halloween and trick or treating differently.
2: Well, that just means that this year you've got to go trick-or-treating. That that it kind of inspires me to just go trick-or-treating. <laughs> I might actually just go as a 58-year-old woman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I had a Newfoundland friend that lived here, and uh, he was saying back home in Newfoundland they would have uh, trick-or-treating for the kids, but they would also give like a little toddy to the adults as well, so a little little alcoholic uh, swig for the parents. And I thought, oh, I like that tradition. <laughs> okay.
2: I really like that. Actually, here, unfortunately, they don't do that anymore because the man is retired. But down the street from where I live, um, and I've lived on the same street for 21 years, we had a man with a French fry truck, or what we like to call a chip truck. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he used to give out, yeah, he used to give out uh, French fries to everyone, including the adults, on Halloween night. That's awesome.
1: What an amazing man! That's cool. I love that. There was there was one year because I live in a I live in a military community and one time on the base because trick or treating used to be huge on the base, um, they had these great big mod tents set up at the end of one road, and they had hot chocolate for the kids and I think they had like beer or something like that for the adults too. I remember it was something alcoholic but it wasn't like hard stuff or anything, um, and it wasn't like a full full bottle. It was just like little, little cups, you know, but I thought, Hey, I really like this. I had a license and everything to do it. I don't know how they got it, but they did. But I thought that was kind of neat. Hot chocolate for the kids and a little adult beverage for the, for the grownups. Well, we I start say that why tradition. Not? I
2: mean, it's a really, it's a special night. Yeah.
1: So fun. I remember my son when he was three and we'd go trick-or-treating and all the um kids around were all girls. He was the only boy, so a bunch of us would go trick or treating and um uh, this one house had the door open and they had the fog machine and they had spooky music and all the girls backed up and my son looked at me, and said Hold this, you know, hold this trick or treat bag and he got in this fighting stance to protect the girls. And he was three. Oh, <laughs> he was the youngest of everyone. Well the woman who was who was at that house thought it was so cool. She says, Come here honey and she just Put a whole bunch of stuff in his bag <laughs> i thought that was kind of cute oh i love that <laughs> any special traditions other than the mat uh the mat one in your area
2: um not really we're um now we're in an area that's more built up mm-hmm. but uh, when we first moved here this was one of the newer subdivisions and and Um, Interestingly enough, because we live in a more rural community, um, we used to have busloads of people park at the end of our street. And because our street is a crescent, um, it was easy for the kids because they would get off the bus, I mean, you know, 20, 30 at a time, and just do our street and then get back on the bus. (laughs) (laughs) You must have had really good treats. We had great treats. And we used to see like 200 plus kids oh, all the time wow. but now that it's more built up mm-hmm. we have you know a lot of newer homes around here and it's not as busy
1: yeah i when my kids were smaller we used to get a couple hundred kids too i used to always run out of treats and i would run to the store to get more if the, if the store had any left and run back you know all my husband was still handing out treats and uh, um but now you don't well especially with covid we didn't have trick-or-treaters last year they okayed it this year apparently but um, it just doesn't seem you don't seem to get a lot of a lot of kids like you did in the, when you know when my kids are smaller Even when I was young Right, I know it's weird and this
2: year I'm looking forward to it because last year nobody shelled out. It was a weird year. Yep.
1: I Saw the house across the street have a couple of kids But the car pulled up kids and uh, a couple of grown-ups came out So it's probably somebody that they knew so they're probably just going to houses of uh, the people that they knew but they didn't come to our house and we had all this candy and I'm like oh my I, what are we gonna do with this now and of course my family was giddy like look at all the candy we have <laughs> <laughs> yep same here <laughs> yeah. you have to kind of hide it away so nobody eats it all in like a week
2: <laughs> yeah but I like candy though Cat. you know
1: <laughs> yeah me too a little too much yeah me too <laughs> We have this place uh, in town uh, called Cash and Carry. It's we call it our um, our local Costco, but it's not. It's just where local um, uh, corner stores and stuff like that get their um, their supplies. So you can buy great big jugs of mayonnaise and you know just large large amounts of whatever stores would need and restaurants. And um, they usually carry these um, uh, boxes of chips. Well, they're not the little Halloween three chips in a bag type chips. They're like a nice size, like what you would buy at a checkout at, uh, like at Walmart or whatever, you know, a, a bigger bag. So that's where we go to buy our chips instead of getting the, wall, the You know, the the smaller ones. And usually the kids are like, whoa, we've got a, like, look at the size of this chip bag. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'm coming to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> Any special traditions you follow this time of year? well i actually have a couple
2: of friends who are practicing witches which Mm -hmm. is an interesting thing so normally i will pop into their house after all the trick-or-treaters are gone and they do a great little ritual because um to witches of course halloween is new year's eve so Um, with them they burn all of their um intentions and stuff like that so they they send all of those intentions up into the universe and it's a really neat thing so we write down all of the um the intentions that we have for the new year anything that we want to let go of anything that we want to bring in and then they burn them in the cauldron and after that, we all have tea or whatever libations that they've provided, mm-hmm. along with some soul cakes, which is fun. Oh. So that's pretty much what I love about Halloween night. So I get to celebrate
1: it with the witches. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> good old Samhain, if I'm pronouncing it properly. I yeah. never know how to pronounce it. I know everyone, it, it, it looks like it's pronounced Samhain, but it's not. It's Gaelic. Um, right. Yeah. I used to make this uh, Samhain cake uh, when I was younger and there was, it was just a berry bread. It was a heavy berry bread and oh, it was so delicious. It had blackberries, raspberries and strawberries and some other things in it. Oh, it was so good. I have to find my recipe. See, I should start making that again. Well, that's it. You got to send the recipe to me too,
2: but yeah. you're, honestly Halloween is great, but I have to say people like us, I'm sure, it's Halloween all day, every yes, day, every every day, twenty-four-seven. Yep.
1: <laughs> I had posted um, on various uh, social media October first. There's a picture of um, a person wearing a well, they have a pumpkin head, and they got their arms outstretched, you know, towards the sky, and you know, it's like it's Halloween season, you know, or Halloween month or whatever it was. And somebody said they've been waiting for Halloween since last Halloween, <laughs> <laughs> and okay. I thought, "You're too. my people." <laughs> It's true. What do you think it is about Halloween that everyone, like, well, not everyone, but people like us really like this time of year? Is it the the changes of the season or, I don't know, the harvest? I think it's the feeling in the air because,
2: you know, it is true. There's a, a big Big, big grain of truth to the fact that um, the veil is is lifting. I mean, you can mm-hmm. feel it. If you know sensitive people or you're sensitive yourself, you know that with um, the sort of uh, the, I guess it's called the fall equinox. You know mm-hmm. that sort yeah. of ushers in a different feeling in the air, and there's this mysteriousness to this time of the year that I think people are drawn to. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know um, when you tell them, I'm a paranormal investigator, even if you're at a at a, a beach bonfire party mm-hmm. at some point in, you know, July, you say, oh, yeah, I'm a paranormal investigator. Immediately they say, oh, man, I love Halloween. Halloween is great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, true. They seem to associate that with us, which it, it kind of is our year, our time of year. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, You have to admit, Kat, you probably go to all of those Halloween stores and stuff like that at this time of the year just to buy all of your decor that you leave up, like, all year anyway.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) 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 This time of year, I absolutely love in the evenings, you know, because it gets dark a lot sooner. But I love the sound when it's dark you have all those dried leaves on the ground and it's, it's a little windy and you can hear the leaves rustling outside. I love that sound so much.
2: Oh yeah, me too. Me too. The only sound that I don't like about this time of the year mm-hmm. is that um, up here where I live, it's now like duck hunting season.
1: Oh, or something like yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's like, oh my God, all I can hear are the are the, the guns the gun going shot. yeah the, uh, Yeah, it's, it's horrible.
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> Wow. Well,
2: being vegan, you know, that really matters to oh, me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you were a vegan. Oh, I love my
1: meat. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm the only vegan in my family, so I, I totally understand. And I, I don't, I don't you know, push any of this on them. I figure mm-hmm. if they want to have a good barbecue steak, go ahead. But yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I went yes. to a barbecue yes. once many, many, many years ago, and uh, a friend of mine, she was vegan, and she had this... Um, tofu burgers and this is like back in the early 2000s uh that was unheard of she must have spent an arm and a leg on that because it's pricey now i could just imagine what it was like back then and i thought oh i'm gonna try it nope <laughs> oh it was horrible but that was how many years ago now so i'm sure it's improved since then
2: <laughs> oh it's all improved because now you've got all of these things you know that's beyond whatever it's called beyond meat or beyond whatever meat, yeah. but- The best ones are the black bean burgers and even my diehard youngest daughter Arden loves black bean burgers and she's like a meat eater extraordinaire so you know it's
1: really improved it's a good thing. I like black beans I'll have to look into that. Hmm. So delicious. Back in the day it just used to be tofu. Yeah it's true. (laughs) Yeah you have to drizzle it with lots of barbecue sauce or whatever to kill the taste but black beans yeah that's nice. I know. I had a friend who used to call it toe poo. (laughs) (laughs) I can agree. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Did you get it? Did you pick up any pumpkins yet? I
2: have. I've got two pumpkins that are already on my porch and Mm -hmm. I love, love, love pumpkins. And I mean, the taste of the, the, the carvable pumpkin is definitely Mm -hmm. different from the taste of a pie pumpkin. But um, when my girls were really little, right after halloween you know how everybody throws out their porch pumpkins Mm -hmm. well we used to go around with our wagon and we used to go and pick them all up out of the garbage piles and i would take them home and i would cut them up because they're still edible of course Mm -hmm. they are and i used to cut them up and i used to steam them and i used to put all of that in the freezer mash them up and put them in the freezer in one cup increments and then we would would have pumpkin soup all year. We would have huh. pumpkin bread all year. We'd have all of that stuff. So, yeah, I love pumpkins. Oh, I, I'm awesome. one of those. <laughs> I'm one of those interesting people who doesn't like anything to go to waste. Cat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> My daughter's cool. the same way. Fruit. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now we have one pumpkin so far. I didn't actually go out and buy any. We put in a garden this year and uh, tried to grow pumpkins, but. It didn't, the pumpkins didn't get very big or just small ones, but uh, we have a, a couple out already, but they're, they're cute, but I plan on That's buying okay. some more. Yep.
2: Oh yeah. Now they're nice and cheap. I've noticed that. So keep your eyes yeah. closed because they're oh, really sure. nice and cheap now.
1: Yep. And my daughter loves to make uh, pumpkin pie from scratch, which we don't mind at all. And pumping pumpkin cookies and bread. Oh, good grief. Yum. Yeah. That's it. I'm coming to
2: your
1: house. Anytime. (laughs) Perfect. So we were talking about what topic that you would like to talk about other than Halloween. And you said one of your favorite uh, topics was attachments. And I don't think I've really spoken much about that, maybe in passing on any other episode. So this intrigued me. And I really liked the idea of talking about that.
2: Yeah, I really like um, the topic of attachments and one of the reasons why I like it is because so many people uh, bring it up all the time. We oh. have um, public meetings now because of, you know, the big C word and all of that stuff that's mm-hmm. happening in the world right now, we had to suspend our public meetings. but. We would have them bi monthly and they were free. Um, we held them at a local funeral parlor, believe it or not. Oh, funeral home wow. um, gave us their, yeah, I know, it's funny, right? People that's always cool. go, no way. <laughs> wow,
1: that's, yeah. that's. I, I like that. That's neat.
2: You know, I used to be a church secretary in my previous life, and I got to know a lot of the funeral directors in the area. And this particular couple that owns this particular funeral home, I mean, he they're amazing. And he was so gracious when I mentioned that I wanted to have meetings. But, you know, we don't charge for what we do as normal paranormal Mm -hmm. investigators don't. And we don't have a lot of money to dispense for things like rental fees Um, but Mm -hmm. I really wanted to have a location to hold public meetings um, for free so that people had a safe space to kind of share all of their information that they might have about all of this their experiences um, anything you know bring questions let's talk about this as a collective Um, and he was great he said you know what you guys do really important work and I would love to have you use our space because really the only time that that space is used um, it's a reception room and it's quite large um, is for funerals and Mm -hmm. often people don't have the receptions there they might have them back at their own home or they might have them back in the church hall if they're you know church going people but you know he said it sat there and unused for so often that this would be a perfect opportunity to have that space used for a good thing a really good purpose so how nice is that
1: that's really nice kudos to to the funeral director
2: nice no kidding he's amazing but we would have these great meetings and hopefully we'll get to have them soon once restrictions are eased a little bit and Mm -hmm. we can have them indoors safely but people used to talk about attachments a lot and they would say things like well um, after um, I brought something home Um, an antique store or yard sale or even just buying something new Mm -hmm. they said you know I would have this weird activity in my home and how come that is I mean how can something come in when you when you bring something home so attachments are really important and you know yourself I'm sure a lot of people talk to you about attachments right yep Uh, yes they certainly do Oh I lost you there for a second. I think people don't understand. Still Uh there? Oh, okay. No, we're good. (laughs) Am I back? I hope I'm back. (laughs) Yeah, you're back. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Because you know it's unreliable. We're having weird weather here. It's rainy and it's really kind of dull and awful out there. And I know we've had some internet issues in the neighborhood, so Ah. keep your fingers crossed. Okay. Fingers crossed and toes. Okay. Not your eyes, because it's really hard to drive that way. just saying. <laughs> um, you know, people, people talk about attachments, and they don't understand that, um, you know, you can bring something home. If you go to, let's say, um, a, a yard sale, and you love something that is not necessarily old, but has been pre-loved, maybe mm-hmm. there's an attachment, maybe somebody who passed on, um, is staying because they're worried about where this particular piece of furniture is going to end up, mm-hmm. and they're attached to it. They don't want to let it go. And then you buy it and you bring it home into your house, and you're using it. They just might be attached to that, and they might not be happy that you know it is in your house and that you are using this piece of furniture. Or they might just be curious about you, um, and they might telling you that they're there in no uncertain terms so people don't really understand the concept
1: it could be something as simple as someone who has um, negative energy just happened to pick something up to look at it and put it down and now that item has that negative energy attached to it
2: exactly bingo perfect perfect example and you could be just walking around the mall Mm -hmm. and if your energy Is attractive to something out there um, and you know yourself we're surrounded by energy and entities you know 24 hours a day Mm -hmm. if one of them is particularly attracted to you and your energy you could be bringing that that attachment home with you
1: yeah you have a new friend and you don't even know it and you don't want them
2: (laughs) exactly yeah it's true it's like that Klingon you know from (laughs) high school that you really never liked but came to all the parties (laughs)
1: I always use the the example of um, and I've said this countless times on the show that, you know, I could go out walking in the woods and I'm going to see all kinds of deer and and other wildlife and somebody else could go out and not see anything. But, you know, they're there. And, you know, some people, wild animals like deer and chipmunks and stuff just are attracted to and they go up to. So I kind of use that analogy with how spirits are with people as well.
2: Yep, I totally agree with that. And I think attachments are something that, you know, most people don't really even think about until something happens to them, until mm-hmm. something happens in their in their home. I mean, you know, um, at one point, one of my team members and I, we had gotten some new equipment and decided that we were going to take this equipment. And this is right when the SB7 was, the -hmm. spirit box, was um, really out there. And a lot of teams were buying one. And we thought, ah, let's hop on the bandwagon and see how this thing works. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to test it out. And we went to um, a local graveyard because we figured, what the hell? You know, this is probably (laughs) a good place to take this thing and try it out. And it was, it's a relatively new, and it was at the time, cemetery in town. And we thought, well, you know, we've heard some stories about it, let's see what voices we can pick up and let's see if this thing actually works. Well, we did that and um, after doing that, it was really important that before we got back in the house because we were using what's ostensibly a a, a divination device Mm -hmm. really, um, we made sure to tell whoever was maybe potentially following us home that they were not allowed to follow us home and we do that all of the time but this one particular occasion I was really, really, really busy. I had a lot of stuff on my mind, um, and we had gone out to do an investigation. We went to another local cemetery with a group of people. We walked around, and I was so busy. It was late. I had all kinds of crap in my car, and I had to bring it in, and I was ticked off, and we got home late. And anyway, long story short, I walked through the door. I got ready for bed. I brushed my teeth, hopped into bed, And something had followed me home. I had an attachment. And it was a very tall, horrible, dark, male, I sensed that it was male, Mm -hmm. um, shadow figure. And it followed me home. And I had to kick it out. And it was not a good experience. How did you get rid of it? Well, luckily, it did leave. Because I, I talked to it. And I said you are not allowed to be in my home, this is my home, this is not your home, Mm -hmm. and I know that you were attached and attracted to me, Uh, no, you need to leave and you need to to leave now or else Mm -hmm. I'm gonna bring out the big guns, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of sage and I know people, so you you better leave right away.
1: (laughs) I pretty much say those same words. (laughs) A lot of sage and I know people, yeah.
2: Yeah, but it, I was lucky because it left, but
1: I know a yeah, lot of. You're very people... lucky. Oh, yeah, but I know a lot pretty of people that aren't
2: so lucky.
1: No. Right? And I think it's your intent, too. If you have any little bit of fear, um, your words aren't really going to hold a lot of authority to whatever you're trying to tell to leave.
2: Well, that's true. That's really true. That's like, you know, saying, oh, go away, go away, bad person, but, yeah. not, really, you know, <laughs> but not really understanding what you're saying and hiding behind a desk while you say it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I've told uh, clients before, uh, use your mom voice or your dad voice to, you know, use that with authority. Um, and that usually that works. And they uh, that way they can understand when you tell them with authority, they don't quite understand how to how to do that but if they have kids and you say use your mom or dad voice then it's like oh okay
2: you know what you're absolutely right and it's funny because being a paranormal investigator often when people contact us for situations in their home and um, things that are happening around them and they know that they have either an attachment or they have you know a a visitor inside Mm -hmm. their house they're really afraid so they contact yeah. us because they can't find their mom voice or their dad voice. Yeah. But you know, really it's so <clears> important <throat> that if something is happening in your environment, then really you need to take back your environment. And so many people don't understand that notion.
1: Exactly. I usually it's tell so... I usually tell friends, especially if they're military, because a lot of the military housing, you have so many people go through those those houses. Um, so many different um, types of energy and, and emotions that go through there. That I usually tell people that as soon as you move into a new a new it's called PMQS. Um, as soon as you move in, um, if you want to sage later, it's fine. But as soon as you get there, just if you notice that there's a little activity, just say this is my house now. I live here, and you're not to be here anymore. This is now my place. It was yours now, but not anymore. And that usually works. And I had one friend that I still had to go in and sage, but um, for the most part, that usually works.
2: You know, you're absolutely right. It's so true. And um, one of my old boyfriends used to be in the military, and I I know all about the PMQs for sure. Um, Went to a barbecue or two in my time in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. That's another story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... I can remember um, talking to someone who actually did live in a PMQ um, a long time ago and she was, now I think she she was Ukrainian or Hungarian and mm-hmm. she said that um, she really believed in doing what you just said mm-hmm. but because her grandmother whenever they moved into a new apartment um they the grandmother and the grandmother lived with them her whole life would go into this apartment open up all the windows even Mm -hmm. if it was in the winter and this grandmother would open up all the windows and in a very pronounced like hungarian or ukrainian accent would Mm -hmm. say you need to leave
1: right away because this is my house right i (laughs) love that to me with that accent has even more intent, like, I don't want to mess with you.
2: (laughs) You better believe it. And I mean, I can just imagine that's because I'm Slovak, right? That's Uh, my heritage. And I can imagine like my grandmother with the big babushka on her head going around (laughs) and saying, get out of my house, you crazy people, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So how, how does person know that they have an attachment if they're not if they've never had anything to do with the paranormal community
2: well um, it's funny you ask that because we get a lot of people that um, contact us who do have attachments who say things like okay you're gonna think I'm crazy but right
1: (laughs) sorry I just knocked something over
2: That's okay. No worries. But no, it's true. I mean, people, people contact us and they say, yeah, this is a crazy thing. And I don't know why I'm contacting (laughs) you, but I feel really different in my house. And I think Mm -hmm. that's like the key. That's the number one element that people will say, Um, you know, I feel really weird in my house and I didn't know where else to go. And I thought maybe it might have something to do with, you know, the unexplained because I never felt like this before. And I feel really weird contacting you because I wasn't even sure if I believed in you guys. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's the number one thing is that people feel either compromised or unsafe. Or, you know, they just feel awkward in an environment that they never felt that way before in. Or, you know, that's the number one. And the number two is things start occurring that they can't readily explain. And even the most logical person can't explain it. The logic doesn't make sense. Like, two plus two does not equal four. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like two plus two equals one and a half. And that's not right. Yeah. Are
1: there any particular... go ahead
2: no no i i was just gonna say i really think that that's the key is that you know it's it's just an odd environment so and these people feel awkward contacting people like us because um necessarily i mean they they not they've never even really thought about it before
1: yeah it's starting to be a little bit more um normal to talk about paranormal but there still is a little bit of a stigma people still are leery to talk to us yes Are there any particular signs that people should be looking out for?
2: I think that um, in terms of signs, I think that uh, people need to be looking out for um, their instincts. I mean, I know that sounds really weird, possibly um, a little too simplistic perhaps, but you know, trust your instincts. If something isn't right, if you feel compromised in your environment, then that could be a really good sign. Also, um, things that are tending to perhaps go bad for you. So all of a sudden, you know, your life is going really, really well. Everything's falling into place. And then suddenly everything's happening to you. You know, you're you're doing things that, that are strange or, you know, um, your smoke alarms are you just replace the batteries and your smoke alarms are acting weird and they're going off or, Um, You know, you have electrical problems in your house. Um, Your job has been going really great and then all of a sudden things at work are starting to go badly. You're starting to feel maybe a bit depressed. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, your relationship has been really great and then all of a sudden you're getting feelings that, you know, maybe things aren't so right or, you know, things are kind of breaking down in your environment. Your pets might be ill or looking at the walls strangely or, or things like that. I mean, I think you need to just pay attention to your environment if things are changing in ways that you can't explain um you need to look beyond maybe what you would interpret as as normal logic i think you need to look beyond that so um, really pay attention to your environment i think it's as simple as that
1: i agree uh, if you're familiar with your surroundings and you're switched on and like you said anything that just feels off in your own home you're going to know it Oh, 100% and so many people do
2: things I mean everybody's multitasking right Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody had been multitasking and then all of a sudden when the world stopped you know because you said a mouthful before like everybody is now talking about maybe the paranormal a little bit more but remember the world stopped and the multitasking slowed down and in some cases completely stopped dead and so people didn't really have much of a choice then to pay attention to their environment because everything slowed down to a snail's pace and everything changed so dramatically and so drastically that all of a sudden it was like quiet, the roads were quiet, your house was quiet and your environment changed drastically. So you might have noticed things that your multitasking self didn't notice before and that's probably one of the reasons why i think you know interest in what we do and you know people are paying attention to what we do
1: a lot more these days yeah, and people are, are home a lot more too uh, because of covid with all everything shut down uh, i know in my area things are uh, I wouldn't say back to normal, but you know you you don't have to be in your house as much as you you did in the beginning so I think people noticed things a lot more even even um just their flowers people were noticing flowers, just simple little things. it was nice to see people out for walks um spending family time and it just the it's like the whole world just changed just almost of a you know a snap of a finger it seemed
2: you know what, you're absolutely right. And at the beginning of all of this, when things actually stopped and Mm -hmm. people were kind of in shock no. We um, we got a real uptick in hits on the website and um, messaging through Facebook. People were paying attention to their environment and saying, you know, I never really noticed this before but because um, I wasn't home at 3 mm-hmm. o'clock in the afternoon, but for some strange reason at 3.15 or 3.20 or 3.30 in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, you know, something weird happens at my house. You know, my TV goes on and then off. And it was an interesting thing because what it made people realize was that they live in an environment that if you don't pay attention to that environment, you know, you miss subtleties within Mm -hmm. that environment that are actually really important subtleties. Like for example, we had somebody contact us that actually said exactly what I just said that, you know, I'm never home at three o'clock in the afternoon and every day, like at three o'clock in the afternoon, um, it's really strange my TV just clicks on and then clicks off so of course we that's said Listen, interesting. logical explanations are a good thing let's start with logic because that's what we do right
1: yeah now yeah, you always try and, and figure out logically what's going on is it a wire issue or uh, yeah that's interesting yeah
2: and it wasn't a wire issue at all yeah. so they had an electrician come their brother-in-law was an electrician so they didn't hmm. have to pay a cent for it Thank nice yeah <laughs> Very nice. So that he came and he checked everything out and everything was fine. Um, decided, okay, maybe it's the TV. So they moved the television to another location. They left it unplugged. They actually moved another TV to that particular plug, plugged it in, same issue was happening. So what we try to do is to have them focus their attention on why it might be happening. So we always say to people, you know, keep... Keep some sort of a log, right? Keep, mm-hmm. um, keep a, a diary, keep a record of when these things happen, how you're feeling when they happen. Um, you know, look back in your memory. What happened at three o'clock in the afternoon in your life to, um, you know, to maybe trigger this kind of activity. Was there a traumatic experience that you experienced? You know, did you um, did you lose someone? Did somebody die? Um, did you lose a pet? Um, did something happen at 3 o'clock? Well, it's very interesting when you tell people to pay attention to their environment and to really examine their feelings in their environment, um, and they do it. A, a strange thing happens. They really connect with their environment and they connect with things that they might have otherwise forgotten. And in this particular case, this man said, you know, it's interesting. You said that because at three o'clock in the afternoon, and I remember this, um, I lost my girlfriend in a car accident when I was 19 years old. And it happened at three o'clock, in the afternoon and I was devastated for like six months. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep. She was, you know, my high school sweetheart and I I was, you know, devastated by this. I went for counseling, um, but it was at three o'clock in the afternoon when she died and that was her time of death. And he said like, I am, you know, 47 years old. I don't understand why after all of these years, you know, this would still have significance for me. I have to think about this because, you know, is she sending me a signal or a sign? Perhaps. But I said to him, you know what? It could very well be just because it's a very traumatic, traumatic memory for you. I mean, maybe your environment is picking up on that. And let's face it, there are so many things in this world We don't understand. And that's one of the reasons why paranormal investigators exist, is to point things out to people and say, you know, we don't know. We have no idea. But obviously, three o'clock in the afternoon is a significant time of day for you. And that memory that clicked in at that point was pretty traumatic. And he since has thanked us for that. And believe it or not, it has stopped. Oh, wow. I know, crazy,
1: right? That makes me wonder, though, um, wherever he was before uh, COVID, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, did weird things happen? Like if he was at work, uh, did computers malfunction or clocks? You know, it just makes me wonder if anything significant happened at 3 o'clock that wasn't at home, like wherever he was.
2: Exactly, and it's funny you say that because he even mentioned too. He said, you know, maybe it happened when I wasn't home, but I don't think so. And Mm -hmm. now I have to look back in my memory and try and figure out, um, you know, if at work, something happened, maybe Mm -hmm. on the road, something happened, maybe in my car, something happened at three o'clock. But obviously, he said something in my subconscious was uh, making itself known Um, outside of myself to make me maybe um, revisit and deal with some of the hurt and some of those issues that maybe I haven't dealt with because he said, you know, he's had some problems with a lot of his relationships. Um, He's always his whole life compared um, whoever he was with to the first love of his life that he lost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because we often keep in touch with people that you know that we deal with, and um, and he has since since contacted us and said, you know, um, s- since all of this, I've really felt much happier and much more able to conquer things in my life that I never thought I could. And I know that I had some PTSD issues because yeah. of all the trauma that I was that that I I endured at that young age. So it's like you know things happen in your environment that aren't necessarily ghost related or cryptic related or ufo mm-hmm. related or any of that but they're still normal. yes they are out of the realm of human
1: um you know uh, consciousness mm-hmm. this gentleman it, it sure is this, this gentleman i wonder if um his girlfriend knew that throughout his life he's had a difficult time and she was just trying to tell him that he needed to deal with it and move on so he can be happier and have better relationships with friends and uh, significant others and all that so maybe that's why um, if this was her trying to communicate with him, 3 o'clock was something significant like you said um, so maybe that was just her way of saying hey you need to wake up and and deal with things
2: I totally agree, and I think that's so, oh, so relevant. I mean, talk about an incredible, you know, aha moment, right?
1: Yeah, and it makes you wonder how often that really happens, and we just miss it.
2: Exactly, and I think with COVID and with the world shutting down, so many people had those kinds of experiences. I mean, Mm -hmm. not exactly like that, but certainly um, as maybe, you know, huge i mean a a great incredible moment of of aha it's it's the most incredible thing when you think about slowing down and how much more aware you are of your environment and your issues and all of the things that you really haven't paid attention to before
1: i know there have been a lot more of uh, ufo sightings uh, in canada and probably in the us and globally i'm assuming i don't know um during covid and i keep telling people well Maybe because some people think, oh, it's co- there's a correlation between COVID and the UFOs. And I would say, not necessarily. COVID made us slow down and we're actually looking at our surroundings and we're looking at the skies a lot more often now. Maybe we're just no- starting to notice them more now and they're not any more frequent than they were before. It's just, you know, we're looking around more. We're smelling, we're taking time to smell the roses now. We are. And I, I totally agree 100%. I would like to know if there's uh, if there are more sightings than before, or if it's just we happen to be noticing them. Um, I don't think there's any way to find out, but uh, it's interesting to know that people are, are taking more notice of these strange happenings now, and people are starting to talk about it, and because we both know whenever someone is having uh, paranormal experience or if they're seeing a cryptid or whatever it can be really traumatizing on that individual and their families as well so if people are talking about it more often it's going to be not as um, detrimental to the family yeah and I think people do need
2: to to talk about these things more often yeah. I think that um, you know that's one of the things that, that we just do is talk about things I mean we're always glued to- to, you know Facebook or Instagram or mm-hmm. anything like that I mean how many times do, do people tell you yeah we don't sit at the table and
1: talk anymore yeah everyone's on their own schedule and uh, you know eating in front of the television or something uh, yeah but people just families don't talk anymore and the let's talk about it I have to say I really like the name because Katie and Richard have their um, their uh, little their, their talk show that they have on Facebook And I absolutely love the title, Let's Talk About It, because they do talk about anything paranormal. Um, You know, how to use crystals, how to deal with uh, if you're having paranormal experiences and and things like that. So Let's Talk About It is just talking is so important. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, that's
2: again, that's one of the reasons why we always loved having our public meetings, because that's all we did was we talked about things and It makes you feel so much better, and it's so inclusive. And honestly, talking is the way to deal with things. And if you can't talk, you can't deal.
1: Exactly. And it's nice to know that other people are having similar experiences as you, and you know that you're not crazy. There's there's other people experiencing the same things globally. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I
2: think there's so much empowerment in knowing that there's a commonality, you know, that the common denominator of experiences really is empowering, because you realize you're not alone, and that other people out there are trying to deal with the same or similar circumstances. And, you know, by connecting with these people, you realize, you know, you can do it, you are empowered.
1: Exactly. How would somebody who has an attachment, how would they go about getting rid of it if they really didn't know about all this in the beginning?
2: Well, I think that most people with attachments eventually get to a point in their lives where they know that there's something wrong, because Mm -hmm. let's face it, if you have an attachment, Something is happening in your environment that you can't explain. And um, you're going to talk to somebody out there about it. And eventually you're going to hit upon a person who who doesn't just, yeah, well, that's really weird. You know, <laughs> somebody yeah. else is going to say, well, maybe you need to talk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody else might say, well, maybe you need to talk to somebody about this. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they'll reach out to somebody like us.
1: Yeah, I'm finding more and more um, people come up to me or they'll message me and they'll say, so and so uh, i was talking to a friend about this particular instance and they said oh um cat might be able to help you and uh, definitely if if someone's going through something paranormal reach out to me and if i can't help i know people who can Um, you know there's so many people that i'm in contact with now that there is help out there for you
2: yeah and i think that's really important too i think if you're in the paranormal field, um it's so Crucial that if you can't help, um, that you reach out to someone else who can. And I think, you know, they always talk about like priests and and people like that that have a calling, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a calling. I mean, I know so many people who, yes, are not doing um, this um, for the right reasons. Absolutely, there's yeah. always going to be people out there that are not doing this for the right reasons. But. Exactly. Um, there are also going to be people like us that are, and I think if you're doing this kind of work, that it really truly is a passion and it is a calling. And because it is, you are going to be led to the right people and to the people that also are are doing this for the right reasons so that you can connect and make sure that you provide help for people because really that's what it's all about we're in it for for you know for help and we're in it for love we're in it for all of the right reasons
1: exactly i um i never thought of uh, it being a calling i definitely agree that it's a passion but i never ever thought of it as being a, 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 uh sorry getting tongue-tied here never thought of it as a calling before but yeah you are right
2: Yeah, I really think it is. I think that you know, especially because I, I worked. I think in the church, mm-hmm. um, and I would listen to all of these um, meetings that the groups in the church were having, and they would be talking about, you know, this is this is a a calling. I mean, being a priest is a calling, and being a deacon is a calling, and you mm-hmm. just know inside of you, right, that this yeah. is a calling, that this is what you should be doing. I really paid attention and I thought well heck heck fire you know that's probably (laughs) why I'm doing this and by the way when I worked in the church I was told do not tell
1: anybody that this is what you do (laughs) (laughs) really they didn't want that stigma attached to the church
2: I think that was exactly it because I mean I worked in the Roman Catholic Church Mm -hmm. and I was brought up Roman Catholic and I do remember even Yeah. And even as a child, I do remember people saying, you know, uh, you do not uh, do anything that has anything to do with the supernatural or Mm -hmm. the paranormal. It's just a sin and it's bad. And it's really funny because when I got the job um, at the church, I was basically told, you know what? I mean, I think it's fascinating and all of that. But, um, you know, don't make it known out there that this is what you do and I was fine with that because I understood growing Mm -hmm. up in that community I totally understood but it didn't mean that I was going to stop doing it it didn't mean that I was going to give everything up and and you know just just let it go because truly I really believed that it was a calling that it was something that I'm I'm meant to do and I still believe that
1: yeah agreed like I said I didn't think of it as a calling, but you're so right. There's, I mean, there's, there's a reason why, uh, we've followed this path and it is a path. Cause I remember growing up, I've always been fascinated with the paranormal. And, um, I only thought back years later that my first, um, investigation was when I was a teenager, there was a local, um, legend. Uh, I actually had, uh, two or three episodes ago called Rebecca's Grave uh, it's like the Buck Hill over here in the Ottawa Valley um, you know people go teenagers go there to try and find with spirit and all that and um, I actually went to the library I, w- I went to the site with friends obviously and then I went to the library to do some research and it only dawned on me later hey that was pretty much the first time I did an investigation because I did research on it as well so that was That's- um Happened very young.
2: Yeah, and I truly believe that if it's something that you're called to do, then it becomes, you know, a um, a turning point in your Mm -hmm. life.
1: Yeah, and then I met Katie Turner, and all hell broke loose. The rest, yes. (laughs) So, any place in particular that you would suggest for people to reach out if they have uh, concerns? Or fears, or uh, that they, they or a loved one has an attachment.
2: Um, you mean any place
1: in particular, like my paranormal group? <laughs> yes, that, that's a given. Um, would, they, would they go to, um, I guess it would be. It would depend on what their faith is as well. If they would go to a particular clergy as well
2: absolutely and that's what we always tell people too i mean they can reach out to a paranormal group mm-hmm. um you know a local paranormal group that uh, that really you know is well respected do your research you know go yes. online find find one or two of them and then just uh maybe read if they have anyone who's uh who's reviewed them or they know of anybody who's used them that would be a good thing but if they're having issues in are of a particular religious persuasion sometimes they feel more comfortable reaching out to let's say you know um a reverend or a minister or a mm-hmm. priest or even a shaman
1: mm-hmm. definitely and it's important because you got to feel comfortable right cat oh exactly uh if you don't feel comfortable uh you're not going to get the
2: help Well, yeah, exactly. And I think paranormal investigators out there as well have to really pay attention to the environment that they find themselves in when they go and interview somebody who's having paranormal issues. Because, you know, let's face it, we're kind of like CSI paranormal, right? (laughs)
1: Yes, we are.
2: I mean, if you're going into a location and you realize that they've got a lot of crosses, you know, a lot of crucifixes in the area, <laughs> um, you know, they've got, let's say, a little shrine to the Virgin Mary on their nightstand, you know, um, they have um, maybe a little holy wa- water font um, beside the front door, they may be um, Catholic, you know, they, yes. they may be of a particular religious persuasion, and you have to really respect that.
1: Yes. I've seen um, a woman's house before where she had bottles and bottles throughout her house with holy water <laughs> uh, wow. because she was having, she was afraid of what was going on in her in her house. But uh, we, we dealt with that and it wasn't what she thought, thankfully. Um, a lot of times I find uh, it's not as bad as what you think. Uh, let's say you hear, um, I'm trying to figure out an example uh we had this one case one time where um uh the child pu- was pushed over and uh toys were being played with and then we we realized that it was a spirit dog that was trying to play with the child and play with the with the balls and and things like that so it wasn't anything demonic like they thought it was um, or people are trying to get your attention you know it's like You know, say I'm a spirit and I'm in your house and you don't know I'm there and I'm trying to communicate and you're ignoring me and I'm starting to get frustrated. So I might throw a book at you or something, you know, not saying that always happens, but it's not always something as bad as you think it is.
2: Well, that's true because most people watch those shows Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's great TV for somebody to, you know, yell and scream and go, (laughs) oh, my God, it's a demon.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There was a show.
2: It does make
1: TV. <laughs> it, oh, it sure does. I used to watch all those shows. I have a difficult time watching them now because uh, my daughter always tells me to leave the room because she likes watching. She knows it's not a hundred percent like the TV shows, but I, I'd be like, "It's not like that." Or they'll say, "Did you see that move?" I'm like, "No, because the camera was on your face. I saw nothing." <laughs> so she's <laughs> like, "Mother, you're ruining my show. Leave." I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but they they are entertaining. Funny. Uh, I actually listened to a a podcast many, many years ago. I can't remember what the show was or who the guest was. The only thing that stuck out was this gentleman told this call-in that their toilet was the portal to hell. And I thought, that's it. I've had enough. I couldn't listen any further. (laughs) I just, that's the only thing. You know what? Cat,
2: if you've been in the bathroom after my husband's <laughs> been in the bathroom, you would know that the toilet was a pool to hell.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, it irritates me when everyone sees the you know the D word and they drop the D word all the time. You know, it's not always that, but uh, no. I don't know. No, with
2: well and you know full well too and i, I tell yeah. this to everyone um before we do events because right now we're actually doing some events um in a neighboring town and part of the event involves a live um investigative experience which is really great because so many nice. people they see them on tv mm-hmm. but they don't they don't realize that yeah you know this actually does happen that people do sometimes walk around with instruments and people do do sometimes is, you know, teddy bears that if the, mm. they're touched, they might say, oh, that tickles. I mean, it does happen. Mm-hmm. So it's a really neat experience for them. But I always tell them the same thing. You know, if you watch any of those shows, you are watching the creme de la creme of those particular experiences. So that particular show is a condensation of, let's say, you know, three nights or six days or Mm-hmm. a week or whatever in a, in a location, you're watching the creme de la creme because people like us sit around and nothing much happens. Maybe something doesn't happen at all for mm-hmm. two, three nights and then boom, something big happens and then you sit around for another day or two and nothing happens and then boom, something else happens. So you cannot guarantee um, a, a paranormal experience for people. So, you know, all of these paranormal uh groups and events and stuff that say we guarantee that you'll be terrified well you can't guarantee anything because a ghost or
1: spirit does not you know it's not perform on command no no i was thinking those exact words <laughs> you read my mind <laughs> i mean the, the, those shows like you it's said they of, might be there it's kind of like putting it's kind of like... say again
2: yeah it's crazy right It's kind of like putting your two-year-old on the potty and saying, okay, now, go boom-boom. You (laughs) know, it's not a guarantee (laughs) that it's going to
1: happen. Yeah, they're just sitting there looking at you. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, when you explain to people that when they watch shows like that, they could be there for like three days or whatever, and for hours and hours, you know, it could be 12 hours, 20 hours, whatever, nothing absolutely happened those few instances that something did happen that's what they're actually showing on tv because nobody wants to see you sitting in a dark room uh waiting for something to happen and that happens so often you know you're sitting in you know the investigators are sitting in a dark room they ask a question and they wait to see, hear if there's going to be a response either on <laughs> recording or what you know but you're just sitting in a dark room waiting for something to happen pretty much
2: yeah and sometimes absolutely nothing happens you know, you'll be talking to a client, you go and you do a preliminary walkthrough and, and, you know, you sort of ascertain that, okay, maybe this person needs some help. Uh, Things aren't happening now, but perhaps they will and they want some evidence. And then you do an investigation and you get absolutely zero. So, you know, you're not guaranteed that anything is going to happen. And that's something that people don't understand.
1: Yeah. We tell clients too, that uh, just because not as much activity happened while we're here compared to what you're telling us doesn't mean that it's not happening and it doesn't mean that we don't believe you it just so happens that nothing happened tonight while we're here
2: exactly and you know yourself too that sometimes um, spirit intervention only happens when particular people are there. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing an investigation and that you know, um, that client is not there at the time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, nothing's going to happen.
1: Yeah. The person who, I don't want to say the trigger, but it's pretty much whoever the individual is the trigger, they should probably be there when you do the investigation, just it it helps us out as well so we can know exactly so we can actually document what's happening and then we can figure out how to help you afterwards. Okay Okay, sorry about that listeners we had some technical issues like usual with me um I talk with my hands like I told Linda that's the French in me and I hit something and everything went wonky so I'm going to be doing a little bit of editing but we were we did left the uh, cheapers i can't even get my my mouth to work now we did leave off talking about trigger people so if you just wanted to pick up from there linda and then um yeah because and just see see where it goes (laughs) and let's hope that this works (laughs) yeah i know technology is my friend believe me it's not my friend Yeah. (laughs) Uh. So yeah trigger people that should be there during investigations i think that's what you had mentioned
2: yep and i think that um you know sometimes paranormal investigators forget that uh, issues happen because um entities are attracted to specific energies and that could mean maybe one of the people that lives there so they got to keep an open mind
1: definitely yeah Uh, i found that even with investigators on our team um, with with uh, pieces of equipment. I could use uh, the spirit box and not get a hit. Uh, April could, could hold it and get lots and lots of uh, communication from it. Uh, you know, it just it depends on the individual, too, and what piece of equipment. I've I found that during investigations as well. Do you find that as well?
2: Oh, my gosh. It's funny you say that because mm-hmm. I was just telling my assistant director, Sherry, that, um, yeah, I can do a spirit box session and get maybe a couple of voices coming through, but the minute she touches it and does one, it's like magic. Oh,
1: wow, it, it amazes me every time too. And sometimes it doesn't have to be the same person with that same piece of equipment. It could be somebody else with that piece of equipment. Uh, it, sometimes it varies from investigation to investigation.
2: Yeah, it's true. I think it depends on the environment that you're in and, you know, whether or not your energy is speaking to um, whatever, you know, energies are in that environment and how they want to talk to you through which piece of equipment, if any piece of equipment at all, because sometimes we are our own best equipment.
1: I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, but we try and use equipment because we're trying to log whatever, uh, whatever is happening, just us sensing things or things happening to us is not enough for us to be able to, to log the the, um, the activity that's going on. So that's why we use um, the equipment as well.
2: Yeah, we tend to use equipment for that reason as well. But mm-hmm. um, when we do an investigation, we usually do, and I'm going to say 90% of the time, um, because the people really appreciate it, we do an investigative report. So mm-hmm. if somebody, let's say, is picking up um, some kind of sadness or if they're feeling ill or if they sense that something is happening, um, we'll record that down too, as well as the equipment issues.
1: Good idea. I know some teams also log what the uh, weather is like, like right down to the wind speed and barometric pressure and everything like that. Do you look at that as well when you investigate? Um, often we'll
2: make a note of of, um, the temperature outside, we'll make a note of, um, yeah, the weather conditions, because if we're, let's say, in Picton, and it's uh, particularly cold, our instrumentation might not work, not due to spirit issues, but Mm -hmm. because it's so darn cold that the equipment doesn't want to work.
1: Yeah, we don't want to work in extreme cold, so why does the equipment... (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, we just hope that there's a Tim's or a Starbucks nearby.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, so true. Well, Linda, it was amazing having you on. Uh, Before we head off, would you like to tell people where they can find you?
2: Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. It was fantastic. I loved talking to you. It's like talking to my best friend sitting on my porch oh. with my cat on my lap. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we both had our cats with us. <laughs> I enjoyed this as well.
2: Yes, we Well, and you know, people can always find us on Facebook, uh, Georgina Paranormal Society. Um, they can find us on our website, GeorginaParanormal.com, uh, on Twitter as well. And our handle is at GeorginaGhosts.
1: At Georgina ghosts you got it okay uh, I thought you cut off there for a second but I wasn't sure and as usual well, everyone the way it's been going yeah—is <laughs> what it is what it is <laughs> and we're going to be adding the uh, links to the show notes so it's easier for you to just click and uh, boom you can find Linda um, so happy Samhain to the wonderful ladies at Brimstone and Belladonna here in Pembroke uh, you guys have to check out that place. They have all kinds of great books, crystals, and oh, n- very, very knowledgeable ladies as well. So uh, happy sound to you, Linda, and anybody who celebrates this. Thank you so much for being on. I really, really enjoyed this.
2: Thank you, Kat. It was phenomenal. Thank you, thank you, and happy Halloween.
1: Happy Halloween. I love it.